Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Happy Sabbath, everyone. It's a joy to be back here. Um, we've had a few uh, uh, times together, and it's been a joy every time. I always go back and kind of remember our experience. and. Uh, I'm just honored to be able to share once again. If I may start with a confession today, is that all right? Yes. Am I amongst family? Yes. I want to tell you about three lies that I like to tell. Well, I don't like to tell them, but I tell them all the time. Okay, here are three lies. I want to start just by bearing my heart and telling you three lies that I often tell. Is that better? I often tell. First, first of all, here's the first lie. I'm on my way. That is, especially, I see, some, I see some Latinos in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If we say I'm on my way, that means we just got out of the shower, okay? <laughs> if that, if that, right? So that's, that's, one, that's one lie I often tell. I am on my way. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Come on, am I the only one here? It's Sabbath, it's church. You better be telling the truth. I know I'm not the only one that has ever said, I'll pray for you, and I have no real recollection of me doing so afterwards, right? That's my second lie. But here's the third one, and I say this one often. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's one of those masks that we wear as, as Christians, one of those masks that we feel like we need to put on on a regular basis. And when we are confronted by people being asked, hey, how are you doing? We tend to just kind of present this facade and say, I'm fine. And familia, I, I stand before you today. I say familia because I'm, I'm, I'm Spanglish. Is that all right? <laughs> so forgive me if I go back and forth. I want to stand before you today as someone who is off the bat recognizing that I am not okay, that I'm not fine. And a few, a few months ago, I had the opportunity of standing on this stage and sharing with you a message that kind of spoke to that. Today is going to be kind of a part two of that message as well as an introduction of this journey that we're going to be on as a church over the next few weeks that we have titled, I am fine, not really. Right? So let's have a word of prayer. Let's get into the word soon. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity. We have prayed for your blessing. We have prayed for your Holy Spirit. God, we don't have to beg you to show up. You are already here. We have been uh, rejoicing in your presence. You are enthroned in the praises of your people. So you've already been enthroned in this place. You have been uh, receptive to our prayer. You saw us bow down. You saw us come forward. Whatever posture we took, you are well aware of where we are. And so God, now we just want to be more aware. As we just sang a moment ago, we want to be more aware of your presence. We want to be more aware of what you are up to in each and every one of our lives. And God, we just pray that we may leave this place today with the conviction that we have been in the presence of a holy and loving God. Bless your word. Speak to us loud and clear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
We go to 1 Kings chapter 19 today. I'm, I'm a Bible guy. I like to stay in the text if that's all right. So I want to encourage you to open up your Bible with me. If you have it, I'm, I'm, an, I'm old school too, sister. I, I like to carry my actual Bible around. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I like pages. I like the sound of this thing. Um, so if you have your Bible, if, if you have a device, just open it up. 1 Kings chapter 19. Put Instagram away. TikTok can wait. Let's focus on the words here for a moment, okay? 1 Kings 19. And I want to talk to you about in a, about a story of a brother by the name of Elijah. Now Elijah, let me tell you about Elijah. Elijah is that dude in the kingdom. He is that guy in the kingdom. He is perhaps the most I mean he really is the quintessential prophet of Israel. Whenever we think of the prophets, we think of Elijah. And Elijah in chapter 19 is in the hottest streak of his ministry. He is in the hottest streak. I mean, everything he touches is turning to gold. He is literally resurrecting dead people. He is, uh, uh, you know, declaring a drought. He is going on and, and, and showing God's glory in, in this face-off between the, the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah and the prophet of the Lord on the mountain. I mean, Elijah is doing all the things. This is the hottest season of his ministry. He is going victory after victory after victory. And all that streak, that winning streak that he is in the midst of, takes us to chapter 19. First Kings uh, chapter 19 says the following. Now Ahab told Jezebel. Ahab is the king. Jezebel is the queen. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Elijah had just had the showdown on the mountain and had defeated the prophets of Baal and Asherah. He had killed them, and now the king is going to the queen telling her everything that had just happened. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. So Sister Jezebel is telling uh, uh, Elijah through a messenger, hey, I'm giving myself 24 hours to make of your life what you made of their life. I'm giving myself the challenges on myself. I'm giving myself 24 hours to kill you just like you went ahead and killed them. Watch this. <laughs> Verse 3 says that then he was afraid. Elijah was afraid. In the midst of his hot season, in the midst of his winning streak, he was afraid. And he rose, watch this, he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and asked, watch this, Relove, asked that he, that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. Now, hold up. This is the prophet of the Lord. In the hottest season of his ministry. This is a prophet of the Lord who just defeated the prophets of, ba uh, the prophets of Baal and Asherah. 
the prophet of the Lord who just raised a a youth from his death. A prophet of the Lord that is being used mightily by God and all of a sudden, one threat. You know, that, that's, that's what burnout will do to you. That's what burnout will do to you. You can be on a streak winning and winning and winning and one person flips you off on the freeway and you're in therapy. Can I keep it real? Yo, interesting how this guy has been on a streak. He's on a hot streak. The most successful season of his ministry and one threat. Watch what the prophet is asking. God, will you please disconnect me from this life support that I'm in? You're not impressed. Okay. The prophet of God is asking to die. The prophet of God with a level of distress and despair that he is literally begging the God of the universe to take away his life. See, see, that makes no sense to us because we assume that despair is a result of a lack of faith. We assume that if we're ever at that point of suicidality and despair, it's because we no longer believe in God or we, there's a sense of a spiritual disconnect between us and our source of life. But this proves us otherwise. This shows us that someone can be in tune with God. Someone can be on a hot streak. Someone can be used by God and still be broken. This is a prophet. God is using him. And he's asking to die. He's asking to die. Have you considered how many people stand on these stages praying for the same thing? Do you pray for your pastors? Do you pray for your leaders? Because you just see the showdown on Mount Carmel. And you see, look how, how God is using her. You only see him raising someone from the dead. Oh, look how mighty God is on his life. But do you see what happens under the broom tree? Do you see what takes place in the secret? Do you see what takes place in the silence when the tears are flowing and no one else is? See, pastors are often viewed but not seen. Leaders are often viewed but not seen. We view Elijah. We view his victories. We view his life. But do we see him? So there he is under a broom tree. The Bible says that he was asking that he might die, saying, it is enough, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel came and touched them and said to him, arise. And he, I I want you to watch this for a moment. See, we were so, (laughs) so, we we over-spiritualized everything so much, we, we missed the practicality of scripture. 
Notice what this brother man does. He, he is so burnt out. He is so depressed. He is in despair. He's having the darkest moment of his life, even though he's on the hottest streak of his life. He is having a dark moment. He's asking God to take away his life. And what does he do? He naps. Do not underestimate the healing power of sleep. Yo, so I was in Dallas a few months ago, and, and someone came up. to. I, I don't have many of these moments, but this was deep, bro. This was deep, man. I finished preaching, and someone came up to me and said, you know, God just told me to tell you this. I, I'm always, I always perk up my ears, and I always kind of want to square off whenever I hear that, right? It's, it makes me uneasy. So she came up to me. She said, God just told me to tell you this. You are rejecting his gift. And I'm like, I have no clue what you're saying. You are rejecting God's gift. I'm like, can you say more, please? You don't sleep. And there I am with bags under my eyes, right? I'm like, what do you mean? I can tell you don't sleep. And you don't realize that God gives sleep to those he loves. God is trying to bless you with daily rejuvenation. And there you are staying up late at night worrying about stuff that he is taking care of. Instead of receiving the gift of rest that he's trying to give you. You are denying his gift. And I, I love the fact that in spite of his despair, in spite of the season that he is in, Elijah finds himself rock bottom asking for God to take away his life, but he still has the clarity to shut his eyes and lie down under this tree and just simply get some rest. And let me tell you something. Either you rest your body or your body will rest you. Especially as Sabbath keepers. We ought to be experts at the whole rest thing. <laughs> we may be the worst. So there he is. The Bible says that he's sleeping under this, this broom tree. He's sleeping. Well, watch this. Behold, an angel came and touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And, and, and he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Now, let me challenge your theology here because many of us have grown up with the notion that if you find yourself in despair or if you find yourself saying, God, I am depressed or I'm suffering with anxiety or God, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I can live any longer. Many of us have grown up with the notion of God that, 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 that if we say this, that, that kind of stuff or experience these kind of things, the kind of God that we have grown up believing in is the kind of God who who gets angry at the fact that I'm depressed, gets angry at the fact that I'm not trusting him and I'm anxious, gets angry at the fact that I don't want to live, but I'm asking to die. That kind of God is challenged by the God of Elijah. Elijah, notice the kind of God is, that is displayed in the life of Elijah. Elijah is tired. Elijah is depressed. Elijah is suicidal. He is asking for God to take away his life. And what God does, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't judge. He doesn't get even. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, lash out on him. What God does, watch the gentleness of your God. What God does is God gets an angel, makes him a baker 
baker, he, this angel bakes a cake, sends uh, uh, this angel from heaven to bring Elijah room service. He meets him in his pain. He meets his needs right there in the pit of darkness. Look at the gentleness of God, church. So if you find yourself in a season of depression and anxiety, you find yourself in a season where you lie to the world saying, I'm fine, but not really. Yo, God sees you. God sees you in your brokenness. He knows what it's like. He sees you getting out of bed and and, and feeling the weight of the world on your shoulder in the morning. He, he, He knows what that is. And he meets you there with kindness. The the, the God of scripture is not judging you. He is not chastising you. He will meet you in your darkness with kindness. That's the kind of God we believe in. That's the kind of God that's being displayed in the story. The kind God who sees you, knows what you're going through, and will meet you right there. We need to deconstruct some of our theology that paints God as this ivory tower being that is so far removed from our, our suffering, has no idea what we're going through. That is not the God of Scripture. He leans in. My dad told me one time, we were reading the story together. He's like, do you remember why when you were like 15 years old and you would be in a mood, why your mom would just stuff burritos in your face and send you to nap? Sometimes you just simply need your body to be taken care of for your soul to heal. God sent an angel on assignment. And it wasn't an annunciation. It wasn't, you know, showing up in the temple like with Zechariah. No, this angel had an assignment. You are going to bake a cake for my boy, Elijah. He's having a hard day. He's having a hard season. Let's meet him where he is. But watch this. Watch this. This this brings courage for me. Because watch what happens as he eats. The Bible says in verse 5, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and woke him up and said, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate, the Bible says, and drank and laid down again. He went back for a second nap. And then the angel said to him, Arise and eat, for the journey is far too great. And he arose, watch this, and he ate and he drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days. Let me tell you something. When God provides, when God steps in and meets you in your darkness, meets you at rock bottom, when God shows up at rock bottom, he will give you the strength and the sustenance that you can even explain. I like to say that God's middle name is somehow. Because I don't know how, I don't know how I made it from point A to point B. I had no energy, I had no strength, I had no creativity, I had no vision, and somehow I find myself in this season. I find myself on this mountaintop. I found myself on the finish line. You see, God somehow provided something that would carry me through, and all he needed was one little piece of bread and some water to carry me through. Our God is a God of the supernatural. He will provide. If he meets you at rock bottom, trust me, you will get to the finish line. 
40 days and 40 nights on one meal. 40 days and 40 nights on one cup of water. But notice where Elijah went. The Bible says that he rose, verse 8. He ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. Where we love? To Horeb, the mountain of You see, for the food to really sustain you, Rico, you got to be going in the right direction. Yeah, let, me, let me help you. I know some of you all have your, your PhD in Sabbath school by now, but some of you may not have the story. So let me help you out for a moment, okay? Horeb is an important mountain in the story of Israel. You see, there was this guy by the name of Moses who was tending sheep. And all of a sudden, on Mount Horeb, there was, there was a bush that was burning and not being consumed. God appeared to Moses on that burning bush on Mount Horeb. So in the mind of the people of Israel, Horeb was where God moved. Oh, let me help you out for a moment. You see, Elijah is going through the darkest moment, even though he's on the hottest streak, he's now experiencing the darkest moment of his life. But notice the wisdom of this prophet of God. Unlike many of us who go through dark seasons, who go through depression and anxiety and run away from God and try to fix things on our own, away from the church, away from the life groups, away from our community of faith, this man had enough sense to go towards God. In the depth of his darkness, he said, I, I, I'm going through a thing. I'm going through some struggles. I don't even want to be alive. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to position myself and go towards where I know God is moving. So, familia, if you find yourself in a season, run to church. <laughs> go back to that life group. Reconnect with your pastors. Reconnect with those people of faith, those people that are going to show you the move of God all around that are going to help you discern how the spirit might be at work in your life. Run to Horeb of Relove. Run towards God. Run towards where you know God will move. You see, we do the opposite. I'm not feeling this week. I had a low, so I'm skipping church. I'm going to go and, and walk in nature, and I'm going to go and just hang out with friends instead. Could it be that we need to be running towards a community of faith where the spirit is at move, at, at, in motion so that we can position ourselves to perceive God in the way we need to perceive God? So he runs to Horeb. He runs to the mountain of God and watch this. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. You know the cave. You're familiar with the cave. The cave is that space that feels safe away from everyone else. It may be a little bit secluded and, and lonely, but it's where you deal with your issues on your own. The cave is that space that, that envelops your anxiety and your depression. The cave is, is that darkness where you're 
in your mind and you're overthinking and you're, you're battling through things that really belong to God. You're solving issues that are already in his hands. You're feeling real feelings of pain and revisiting your trauma and your loneliness. And yo, the cave is real. And you know the cave. You may experience it differently than, than your neighbor, but you know the cave. We've all experienced a cave. Familia, I shared with you back in September when I was here that here I am as a pastor. Battling with the cave on a regular basis, bro. 2015. Hottest season of my ministry. Planting a church, getting my master's at the time, married to a beautiful woman, two beautiful kids, amazing ministry. Waking up every morning, praying the prayer of Elijah. God, it's, I'm tired. I'm tired. Look, it's been, it's been good. It's been real. I, I, I really enjoy this, but I can't do this anymore. Can you please just, just peacefully into my sleep? Can you please just pull the plug on me? Here's the thing. I'm a minister of the gospel. Who do I talk to? Like, I can't come to a congregation and be like, yo, I'm broken. Because automatically, here's where we go. ¿Cuál es su pecado? What's his sin? What is he hiding? See, we've stigmatized this thing so much that we have people sitting in your row today who will not speak of their brokenness. Because we automatically equate that to spiritual unfaithfulness. Like, I can't speak of my depression because you're automatically going to think that my faith is broken. How can a pastor not have faith? How can a pastor be consumed by anxiety? Where's your faith, pastor? What are you, what are you hiding? What's your secret sin? Familia, we need to do better as a community of faith. See, see, watch this. When Jesus released the greatest movement of all time onto the earth, he did not release a a corporation. He released a family for a reason. So that we could experience the highs and the lows together because that's what a familia does. And we as the church of Jesus Christ need to do better about mental health. We need to do better about brokenness. We need to do better. If there's one place in the world that needs to be safe for people to be broken, it has to be in the church of Jesus Christ. Dude, were it not for my kids... My wife is beautiful. She would find, her someone else, find herself someone else. I'm, I'm sure she would be fine. <laughs> if it weren't for my kids, you would have a different preacher today. I've had suicidal attempts. We need to do better about addressing these things. 
So I know the cave. And I know you know the cave. And Elijah knows the cave. And it helps us destigmatize this. This should not be taboo. This is something that we, had, we ought to be addressing on a regular basis in our churches because it's real. Many of our churches are talking about to cheese or not to cheese. What are we saying? People are broken. So he's in the cave. Elijah finds himself in the cave, but watch, watch what happens. Elijah's in the cave. He lodged in it, verse 9. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here? Oh, church, let me help you. Can we repeat that question together? Because God comes to, to Elijah while Elijah's in the cave, and he asks him a question. What is the question? What are you doing Oh, you're not getting it. Let me, let me ask one, one more time. Let's repeat it one more time. What are you doing here? Okay, we'll come back to that. The word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And here it is, verse 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I, even I, only am left and they seek my life to take it. God, it's, it's, it's gotten pretty lonely. It seems like I'm the only one standing up for the covenant. I'm the only one standing up for truth. God, it seems like everyone else has left you but me. It's getting lonely in here, says Elijah. Now he, being God, says, okay, now go out and stand on the mount before the Lord God. Mm. <laughs> this is a story that, this is a part of the story that some of you already know. And behold, the Lord passed by. So Elijah goes and stands before the mountain. And behold, the Lord passed by. Watch this. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rock before the Lord. So I can imagine Elijah getting excited. The Lord passed by. There is a wind. The mountains, the, the, the stones, the rocks are being broken in my presence. God is here. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there came an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then all of a sudden, there was a sound of a low whisper. So, so watch this. Elijah, he knows he's about to meet the Lord. He feels the mountains tremble because of the wind. The, the, the stones, the rocks are, are breaking in his presence. And I'm assuming he's, he's leaning in trying to perceive God. But God wasn't in the wind. All of a sudden there's an earthquake. He must be here, but God was not in the earthquake. And all of a sudden there's a fire. Elijah must have leaned in. Where, where is Elijah at right now, by the way? In Mount Horeb. How does God show up in Mount Horeb? As a fire. So I can imagine Elijah's like, ah, that's what I was waiting for. 
I'm like Moses 2.0. God showed up in a fire again. And he leans in. But God was not in the fire. And all of a sudden, there was a sound of a low whisper. In the Hebrew, really the translation is the sound, watch this, the sound of silence. Now that's when I got mad. Let me tell you something. Back a few years ago, I was reading this story late at night, coming to terms with my own depression, coming to terms with my own darkness, realizing that I was praying the prayer of Elijah, man. I was praying this prayer on a regular basis, waking up in the morning saying, oh, I'm still here. I'm still here. And I remember one night reading this story, and I'm, I'm seeing myself in Elijah. I'm like, dude, this is biographical. This is an autobiography right here. This is, this is speaking to my experience. And I get to this part of the text, man, and I got angry at God. You know why? Because when I'm in darkness, I don't want to whisper. Can I be real with you? When I'm in darkness, I don't want God speaking to me in silence. When I'm in darkness, I want a wind. I want evidence that God is entering my life and shaking things up and breaking the things that need to be broken. If I'm, if I'm in darkness, I want an earthquake. God, I'm in Southern California. Give me an earthquake, God. It ain't that hard. Yo, when I'm in darkness, I want fire. I want evidence. I want it to burn the impurities of my heart. Burn the pain away. God, come on. I don't want to whisper. And I remember being so angry at God that night, shouting at him, saying, God, how come you don't come through if I need you, and I need you to be loud and evident, and I need you to be present? Why would you show up in silence? Give me an earthquake. Give me wind. Give me fire. But not silence, God. Yo, I slammed my Bible that night, went to bed, angry at God. And something unexpected happened. I woke up really early the next day. I don't do that very often. Four in the morning, boop, I was up. That's like, uh-uh. Four in the morning, I was up. And I knew I was good to go. So I went to the bathroom, I'm brushing my teeth in the dark, still feeling the heaviness of that moment from the night before. Still feeling angry and bitter towards God. Church, and that's when it happened. That's when it happened. I was standing there in the dark, and that's when I heard it. Manuel? I whisper because I'm close. I whisper because I'm close. What was the question God was asking Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Where does that place God with regards to the cave? God was 
in the cave with Elijah. Manny, I don't need to be shouting if I'm next to you. I don't need no earthquake if I'm by your side. I don't need fire to let you know I'm with you when I'm literally by your side. In your darkness, I am there. In your despair, I am there. In your anxiety, I am there. In the pit of your darkness, I am there. What are you doing here, Elijah? Manuel, I whisper because I'm close. I don't have to be shouting if I'm this close to you. And I don't know who I'm speaking to today. But you've been in that deafening, silent season where you're wondering, God, where are you? Because you, you stopped speaking a long time ago. And it seems like right when I need you the most, you seem to be the most quiet. And it seems to me that, that when I need you the most, I'm despaired. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for you, God. Why won't you speak? Do chill. We're sitting together. I got you, man. I whisper because I'm close. You see, this was supposed to be an interruption to Elijah's ministry. Elijah was calling it quits. So what God does afterwards, he says, I, I need you to get up. I need you to get up and go back where you came from because you are not done. You are not done. And I feel compelled to tell you that today. If you feel yourself hitting rock bottom, I'm just here to remind you, you are not done. You watching online, if you find yourself in the pit of darkness, you are not done. Your depression does not have the final word. Your anxiety does not have the final word. Put those pills away. Put that gun away. Remove those thoughts from your mind. You are not done. Go back where you came from. Yes, it may feel lonely. It may be scary. It may be dark. But God is the kind of God who enters caves for us. And 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus who walked into the space that we're living in, experienced the pain, experienced the suffering, experienced the depression that you and I experienced. He went into a cave... But on the third day, that cave was defeated. And the power of the grave was defeated. Not just for him. As he came out, he came out with the power and the authority to give us victory over every single cave we experience. So get up and keep going. Yes, go to therapy. In Jesus' name. Find yourself a counselor in Jesus' name. Take the medication if you need to in Jesus' name. But keep going. Your story's not over. Your story's not over. Can we stand together, church? And I wanna, I wanna, I'm asking you to stand because I need you to make a commitment today. I need you to make a commitment today. I know I'm not your pastor, but this is my third time here. I'm like family. I'm a crazy uncle that shows up once in a while. There's people in your church, man. There's young people here. There's older people here who need you to be that church. Where they, they can come in in their brokenness and find a, find a safe community that simply points them to the work of Christ. Can we commit to be that community today?
I mean, your name is re-love, right? That's what love does. Can we make that commitment today, church? Do we say amen? Do we say amen? In Jesus' name, we say amen. Lord, thank you so much for leaning in. When we go through our pain, you lean in. When we sit in dark caves, you lean in. Not with fire or earthquakes or wind. You draw close and with all the gentleness and the tenderness of your loving heart, you sit and whisper into our ears. Help us to recognize your silence and acknowledge it as good. Help us to acknowledge your silence as love. And Lord, help us be the church, the kind of church that embodies the love of Jesus for those of us who may be broken. We pray this in his holy name and all those who agreed said amen and amen.